What's hot in the strip clubs? Your hosts, the 2016 and 2017 recipients of the Exotic Dancer Publications DJ of the Year Award, Danny Myers and Alan Fong. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Elon Fong, and welcome back to Behind the Curtain. If you haven't listened to us before, let me tell you what the show is about. We are a show that is, yes, based based in the strip club industry. And what we're trying to do is show you a little bit behind the fantasy, behind the curtain of the strip club industry, show you what a legitimate business it is and what it looks like and what some of the really good operators and what some of the unique and talented personalities and people that work in and around the industry are all about, right? So today I have a very, very special guest and a very impressive woman at that. Uh, my guest is Angelina Spencer. She is the co-founder, only go forward, executive director of ACE, which is the Association of Club Executives and Owners, and the co-founder of Coast, the Club Operators Against Sex Trafficking. We will get into that. But not only that, she has many interests outside uh, that stuff. She's a best-selling author. Uh, has a series of books, The Quanta Chronicles. Uh, two of them are Red Bird and X Point, I believe. Um, she studied at Oxford and the London School of Journalism. She was a government consultant. So many, so many interesting facets to this woman. So let me introduce everyone to the one and only Angelina Spencer. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. I'm so, I couldn't be more excited about this conversation and, and doing my research on you. I have found out so much, like some of the things I just mentioned. So let's Let's go back a little bit. So first off, let's talk about your education, Oxford and the London School of Journalism. Now, the reason I want to mention that is, as you know, of course, the journalism and the media has been under attack now for the last couple of years. So I guess what uh, different sort of journalism did you learn in the London School of Journalism versus how the Americans sort of do it? So it was a little bit misleading. It was the London School of Journalism, but it was a creative writing course at the uh -huh. London School of Journalism. So it really involved a lot of literature reads and learning how and and learning different styles of writing and then uh, incorporating that writing into fiction. And that was the same way with Exeter College uh, at Oxford, too. That was an international summer student's writing program. So my background, though, is uh, uh, political management. So I, I have a degree, a master's from the Graduate School of Political Management at the George Washington University, where I was co-valedictorian out of 400 students. So and prior to that, we will get into it. But uh, I was a dancer Oh, many wow. months ago, and and a club owner. Uh, I too. did not know your dancer. That's we will touch upon that. So <laughs> you were so political. I can't remember the exact phrase, but you were a government consultant. What sort of area of the government were you involved in? Well, I still am. So they call it strategic intelligence. Uh, there's behavioral analytics, and we do a lot of research. So I've worked in areas of national security. I've worked with public sector agencies in science and technology. Um, I've worked as a lobbyist, um, and I've written uh, policy. I've written amendments to policy. Um, I've done roundtables uh, with with elected officials and lobbyists and staffers, um, and and some of that on the adult entertainment, educating them about the adult entertainment industry and what it isn't, right, <laughs> what they might right. think it is, and what it isn't. Right. So. We're going to blow up some myths today for sure. Let me let me get back to your uh, best selling author part. So you have a pseudonym, don't you? A nom de guerre. I do. And what I is do. that? It's B A Crisp C R I S P. So my married name is Crisp. Okay. And I write under BA and we chose BA because 
uh, when my husband and I first started dating years ago, he he said Angelina was too much of a mouthful. <laughs> so he calls me B.A. for beautiful Angelina. Oh, I was thinking like uh, the A-team, uh, badass. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, not that exciting, but still. A bit fool. <laughs> so tell me what the, the Quanta Chronicles is about in a nutshell. I want to go read them. Um, it's it's a sci-fi novel. It involves fantasy and adventure as well. So I've always had this. Um, I've always had this uh, uh, curiosity about the supernatural, the unknown, mm-hmm. where the science and the sacred meet. Mm-hmm. And um, and a, a lot of people don't know this either. I was raised as a foster child, and I've always wanted wow. to write, but I was always told be practical, get a real job, et cetera. And, and, and you, you know, that's just so far-fetched. It'll, it'll never happen. Well, I, I revisited this uh, many years later and discovered, you know, I really st- still do ha- harbor this love for writing. And I had worked as a journalist. I worked for the um, Ohio journal at one, one point covering football games and, oh, wow. and writing feature stories. Um, a lot of people don't know that either, but uh, uh I just thought here's an opportunity for me to explore this and write it in a format. So the protagonist is a foster child. She's a former uh, human trafficking victim and she lands in this world of governmental intrigue um, and, and a lot of supernatural stuff. So it's sort of like, the X-Files on steroids and there's some, uh, you know, quantum physics involved and entanglement wow. and things like that. So the third book is called Emergent okay. and, and uh, that's the last of the installment. And then I'll probably go on to an historical fiction um, uh, as the next work. Um, that's still a, that's well, it sounds good. Go pick it up, people. That's the Quanta Chronicles by B.A. Crisp. Uh, go pick it up, read it. Maybe we'll do a book club and we can review it here at a later <laughs> date. Um, again, so you have this incredibly diverse background, which led me to the question. You touched on it a little bit, but there was no obvious connection when I did my research on you to your relationship to the strip club industry. And now you've revealed that you used to be a dancer. Can you talk a little bit about your dancing days? Oh my goodness. Where do I start? Where were you? Where were you? Now, if you're from Ohio, I didn't realize that either. I'm, I'm in Ohio. I, I am. So I, I started at this place, which I heard is just fully remodeled and about ready to reopen. Um, but it was called the tea house of the dancing lady and the, tea house of the dancing moon was an old Marlon Brando movie. Yeah. And the owner used to love Marlon Brando. So he dubbed his club, the tea house of the dancing lady. And that was my first foray into this industry. Um, I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, uh, been cut loose from the foster care system. I already had a young son and I was working for minimum wage. And as everyone probably listening knows it's very tough to make it on minimum wage. And I had a girlfriend introduce me uh, to the industry and we walked into this bar and I was mortified because everything in my, in my very rural uh, and quote Christian upbringing was leveled against this. And, and, um, and I was terrified, but I got up on stage um, uh, and I, you know, and I danced and I thought, and I wasn't good either. I was very bad. <laughs> it takes, you know, <laughs> let me point out uh, for a lot of any female <laughs> listeners out there, a lot of people think it's easy and they just think, you, oh, I just get naked and I'm good looking. I have a nice body and I'll make money. Let me tell you something. The average house girl works her ass off to learn how to best perform and 
put themselves in a good light. There's a lot of little physical, it's physically demanding. Uh, it's mentally demanding. It's emotionally demanding. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So props to all my house girls out there. We got mad love for you guys on the show. Absolutely. Uh, And I'm so glad you're willing to talk about it because I know a bunch, you know, I have 25 years in the industry and I know of a bunch of my former dancers who have gone on to so many amazing things like yourself, uh, uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, real estate moguls, uh, professional UFC fighters and on and on and on and on. And, you know, it, it can be such a great tool to change your life when you come from a background maybe that didn't have the best opportunities financially, family-wise, education-wise, to provide yourself to be able to get an education or start a business or whatever. So I'm I'm so thankful that you were willing to talk about it. We had uh, the lead singer of Dorothy on our other podcast, Off the Charts, and she said she used to be a dancer, and she let that be known publicly on our show. So props to you and all the powerful ladies and anything you'd like to say to the uh, ladies out there. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the one thing I was, I always remember and think about, and I've, I tell elected officials, this is this industry doesn't have to be a tombstone. It can be a stepping stone yes. to a better life. And for me, I have met, I, I actually sat with the iconic Harry Money and had a discussion about, you know, the, the wonderful networking uh, that people in this industry, you know, I, I have met celebrities, elected officials, um, uh, people in banking, people in government, and, and pe- people in entertainment industry. I sat and had a wonderful conversation with James Kahn one evening in Las Vegas. Yeah. Wow. And so this industry has enabled, at least for me personally, to have and enjoy a life that I never thought possible when, you know, I was a rural foster kid living in Ohio. Uh, so it's, it's, it has been my stepping stone. That's awesome. Definitely. As it has been for so many. So uh, for anyone thinking that it's all bad, there's a lot of myths and stereotypes about the industry, which we're going to get into a little bit more here in a moment. Uh, I mentioned that you are the executive director of ACE, the association of club executives. You're also the co-founder of coast club operators, against sex trafficking. Now that's a huge and so important group. And to me, that sounds like a personal passion. You don't just jump into that thinking, Hey, I'm going to combat sex trafficking. That's what I'll do. No one does that. Right. So not just that you're a woman, but it sounds like there's a, there's a story behind your involvement. How did, how did that come about? Yeah, there's a story uh, behind my involvement. So one of the things um, I do is Part of my work is legislative. I conduct what's called legislative bill tracking. So across all 50 states and Congress, I am constantly looking at bills for um, different clients, including the adult entertainment industry. So when something gets introduced, what I was seeing with regard to sex trafficking was that elected officials... Uh, based on what they were hearing from NGOs, law and law enforcement, was that the strip club industry was they, that strip club owners are purveyors of sex trafficking. And I had to sit back and say, really? Well, and and you know, Mike Costello and I had a long conversation about this. And at the time, he he was a, a club owner and a director of operations. He now works as the governmental relations director for RCI. Okay. And we had this conversation along with um, uh, an, uh, an attorney named Brad Schaefer. And we were like, you know, is this a problem? Well, we realized we didn't even know what sex trafficking or human trafficking was. So we had to learn what is that. And we learned the federal definitions that involve force, fraud, or coercion of an individual in order to commercially profit from them. So holding their IDs, uh, not letting them have freedom of movement, um, you know, having all this control over it, physical control over them and, you know, and fraud and coercion. So, but if you're under the 18, uh, under the age of 18, no force, fraud, or coercion has to be involved. All bets are off because kids can't consent. So um, Mm -hmm. from there, we started talking with, you know, I said, yeah, I don't believe this is an issue, but maybe it is. And maybe we don't know. So we talked to uh, a few law enforcement agencies and they were like, you are the problem. And, and, you know, and that, that's very uh, humbling and, and, and very sad to hear until you start looking at the fact that they're lumping other industries in with strip clubs, such as illicit cantinas. 
and illegal pop-up strip clubs. So once they lump those in, it would raise the percentage. But if you take those out and you separate them from the matrix, it plummets for legal and licensed establishments. And I was using the uniform crime reporting stats it's now called neighbors. They don't use the UCR anymore, <laughs> but, but we were, you know, crunching the data and doing data aggregates on it and finding out that this isn't really much of a problem. But back then we didn't know that. So we thought, well, if we are the problem, we need to, we need to become part of the solution. Absolutely. So, so we worked with attorneys and we worked with federal law enforcement at the time, and this is way back in 2009, mm-hmm. and the Honorable Alice Hill requested our presence at DHS headquarters wow. because she wanted a rundown of the program. And that took place thanks to an attorney that used to work for DHS. So DHS we, being uh, Department of Homeland Security for people yes. who may not know that, yes. Yes, sorry. And so and, uh, and uh, anyway, sh- um, we sat down with her and we were told, well, first we were told we'd get about five or 10 minutes with a staffer, okay. which typically it's okay. It can or can't go anywhere and probably right. wasn't going to go anywhere. So she came in because wow. this freak snowstorm out of <laughs> nowhere blew into DC. It was one of the worst storms we ever had. In fact, we had to cancel our flights and we got stuck at our hotels that night. Um, but it, this freak snowstorm came out of nowhere and we, she was a captive audience for 90 wow. minutes. That's amazing. And we got to lay out the whole presentation to her. And Mike did an exemplary job with that. And she gave us that when we finished, she gave us the 20 minutes of awkward silence, I call it, which is, <laughs> which is an old business trick, by the way, yep. when you're in negotiation. It's also an intelligence trick. Yep. So, so um, when she fin- we finished, 20 seconds of awkward silence. And then she finally says, I love it. Give them what they need. Wow. And, and we started the program. So that's, we started with amazing. baby steps in St. Louis back in wow. 2009. Yeah. But I know, and we'll touch upon this in a minute and I'll have you give contact information about, I know you set up uh training on how to spot trafficking and all that stuff. And we'll talk about that in a second. I just wanted to share, uh, you know, sex trafficking looks so different. I had a uh, experience at my club. One of my baby entertainers, she was the 18, 19, been in the business for a month, went down with another entertainer to South Florida. And I started getting texts and calls like, oh my God, all this weird, crazy stuff's happening. And I'm eventually, essentially this more senior entertainer was trafficking her, trafficking her. And she was in some really bad situations. Luckily, through Panda and my connections, other DJs I knew, I said, well, where are you in South Florida? I'm like, and, you know, she did have her ID, but, you know, she couldn't, didn't have a credit card because she was 18. She couldn't, you know, therefore get her own hotel room, couldn't run a, get a flight home, couldn't, a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff she couldn't do because she was 18, right? And people, traffickers know that, that you're stuck at the whims of these people, right? So I said, I said, next chance you get, I think she ended, she was in Tampa, ended up in Tampa. Next chance you get when your friend goes out to get food or whatever, you go grab an Uber and go to this club. And I sent her to, was it the, I think it was the Gold Club uh, in Tampa because I knew the DJs. And I said, hey, I have this girl who's in trouble. Please take care of her. She's really scared. She's freaked out. She's going to drop my name at the door. You know what I mean? And can mm-hmm. you make sure she gets to safety? I'll pay for her hotel room, whatever. But they, they I ended up buying her a ticket home and all that stuff. And they helped and got her out of there. And that was the end of the story. Thank God nothing seriously, seriously wrong happened, but it easily could have, right? And so that was when I started becoming more of aware. And when you're under that age, I didn't realize until I 
started hearing her story as, as it was happening, all the things she couldn't do at 18. She didn't have a credit card. So, and then how do you book a flight home or a bus? You know what I mean? It's just not that easy anymore, right? Like when we grew up, you could have, but now I guess there's limitations on that, I think. So the reason I bring that story up is, you know, the stereotype is uh, trafficking is, you know, you're brought in on some uh, cargo crate on a ship or in the back of a semi truck with 50 other people and you're moved, you know, discreetly around the country, blah, blah, blah. When reality is it's often a family member, a boyfriend, uh, a girlfriend, someone, you know, essentially pimping you out or trafficking you that that's more often the case. Am I right? Yeah, it's very important for listeners to remember that trafficking happens and can happen everywhere. What we seek to do with Coast is to prevent clubs from being used as conduits for this crime. Right. So, and, and it's been a very successful program. Um, and when you take all the numbers and put them together, sex strip clubs in the U.S., legal and licensed strip clubs in the U.S. account for less than 1% of all U.S. sex trafficking cases. However, it can and has happened. So what we seek to do, and all of us, we're like family, right? So, you know, we're, we're small. and, and, And this is the other thing that a lot of people are surprised to hear. There at this point in time, now this is a moving target, but the numbers don't glide either greater or less than um, at any given time. Is there are only approximately 1,590 strip clubs across the U.S. Okay. And I'm talking legal licensed strip clubs. Okay. So that includes juice bars. That includes that does not include modeling studios, bookstores, or things like that. But it's not a big number. So, um, I think Coast is a great service, and I also think that it's a way that we can all watch out for one another. It's not about being a rat or a narc. It's about ensuring no. that we do not get underage people you know, coming into the clubs and trying to get on stage or, or someone else trying to put them on stage. Um, it's resulted in mandatory age verification statutes or laws that have been put in place in about 22 states, um, mandatory uh, hanging of anti-human trafficking posters. And I think this is just the due diligence that any reasonable and astute business owner would do. And not only that, the people who work, the the executives and the dancers, that community of people, we're just trying to ensure that nobody, um, that we're just trying to ensure that people who do come into work at the clubs, mm-hmm. that they want to be there and they're Absolutely. old enough to be there. How, how could you not want to help? That's know, right. The lifeblood and our family, you know, that's at least from my perspective in the industry. Um that's a heavy topic and uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, it is. get more information out to people here uh, with contact information at the end of the show. But I wanted to talk about another great uh, opportunity for clubs that is offered by ACE, again, the Association of Club Executives. And since this is a music show, this is perfect. It's about how to uh, get some music licensing discounts. Now, music licensing is a huge, <laughs> huge thing in clubs. Now, if you don't know what music licensing is for my non-industry people, let me explain. Music licensing is when an artist, you know, Let's take a band. Let's take uh, I don't know Van Halen. If you want to play a Van Halen song in public uh, at a club, at a restaurant, um, 
or on your radio show or on our podcast, you have to pay music licensing. They have rights for every time their song is played. There's a percentage paid to the artist and the record label, et cetera, the the owners of the the songwriting, essentially. Uh, What the two major uh, organizations that collect that for the artists is ASCAP and BMI. Now, a lot of club owners, maybe they don't know. I don't know. I think they should by now. You have to pay a yearly uh, membership or fee so that it covers you being able to play music in public as part of proving that the music is a big part of the entertainment that drives your profit, right? Right. That's some pretty layman's That's way right. of saying it. So the, yes. So the advisory attorneys have said, you know, copyright law, this is copyright law. Okay. And you do if, and this goes not just for adult clubs, for this any goes bars. Yeah. for any bar, hotel, elevator, office right. building, any place where music is publicly Gym. played. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you have to pay this music licensing fee. And these are the royalties that go to the that go to the artists. So um, there are there are many that are popping up now, which gets a little bit um, concerning, I guess, mm-hmm. because where does it end? So there's also CSAC and there's also Global Music Rights and and uh, there may be a couple of other smaller ones. And and but what Ace was able to do was. Uh, negotiate with those entities for music, a music licensing discount program. And it's about a 30% savings for each entity, which is huge. Huge. Um, Yeah. So, and if you're a multi-club owner, you can umbrella your club. So you're only paying that base rate once, which is quite a savings. So, um, you know, we encourage anyone who uh, is, is in good standing already with ASCAP and BMI, you've got to be current or they won't Mm -hmm. approve you on, on my list. Um, But I encourage anyone to sign up for that program uh, because it does save you a lot of money. And I don't handle that invoice. We actually have a third party um, CPA that handles all of that. But I can take your information. And there's a few things that we'll need in order to put you on the list for the program. It is closed for 2023. We're about ready to release invoices. Um, And then uh, but we will take applications for the 2024 uh, licensing year. And that's big. So if you get caught playing music without your uh, licensing agreements, you can get nailed with tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines. If, if I'm correct, at least it used to be that way. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't keep track of those lawsuits that are right. filed, but they do. I do know that the entities will and have filed lawsuits against businesses that have not consistently paid their music licensing fees. Wow. So good information to know. You know what? Let's take a short break uh, and we will back. We will be back with more with Angelina Spencer. We are back with Angelina Spencer on Behind the Curtain, a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can find us on all major streaming platforms and are at our website, www.whatshotitsc.com. All right. Angelina Spencer is the executive director of the Association of Club Executives. That's ACE, a co-founder of Coast, the Club Operators Against Sex Traffickers. And we just uh, talked about how ACE helps with music licensing and stuff. So I got to ask you now a personal question. Uh, everyone loves music. Do you remember when you were a little girl, who, who was the artist that kicked off your love for music that made you go, oh my God, that's so amazing. They're so cool. Oh my God. This is... <laughs> Mine was Van Halen in 78. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, but it was Michael Jackson's Thriller. That was like. Dude, my- what a great album. 
Yeah. Phenomenal. Like, talk about dating myself, but yes. And, yeah. Do you yeah. remember the first time you saw a moonwalk? I think it was the 25th oh, yeah, anniversary of Motown. Love. Oh, yeah. So badass. And all his dances, and I just loved it. So yeah, I amazing. thought he was amazing. quite an artist. Well, let's fast forward seven years to your dancing career. Did you have uh, artists you really loved to dance to? Oh, yeah. Like ACDC and Prince yes. and meatloaf well meatloaf was a little tough to dance to yeah. sometimes but um yeah i mean tony 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 just nice. so yeah i mean it was just anything upbeat and and yeah you know did I you only dance in ohio or did you dance elsewhere uh yeah i make i'd make road trips sometimes so i would wind up at the dollhouse on myrtle beach that oh, was nice. always a, a nice jaunt you know and those were the days when you could just like hop in your car and with some girlfriends and stop at a place and they just look in the car and they'd say, you're hired. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. <laughs> they can't <laughs> legally. <No. laughs> so yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah it was awesome. a lot of fun. Well, let's talk, let's go back. So uh, we've talked about coast and ACE. Now uh, we mentioned the training for spotting, um, sex traffickers and helping out with with people who may be victims uh give me an idea of how to how people can find a way to the training okay so typically what we do is it's it usually um we'll have a host so it's always hosted in a neutral location and okay. we post it so we post it on the uh ace website which is acenational.org okay. um, we'll also uh, put it out in our newsletter um and then a lot of times locally so we just had one in uh we just had a coast meeting in seattle on january 31st um and then we have another one scheduled in dallas on february 8th okay. um and uh you can check out you know the website uh for that um but we typically just the, it goes by word of mouth and we have these flyers that get posted and clubs are handed out to people okay. um and we get quite a turnout so um and then we have a couple of places where it's mandated under law so Houston has an ordinance in place which requires annual coast training and awesome. we get we've had over 600 attendees um wow. show up at those at those um outreaches and then in um and then in Louisiana, they're mandatory two times a year for coast. And that's awesome. kind of, uh, and yeah, so it, it is a, it is quite a good program. Uh, and it also puts faces to the industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people don't think about, yeah, I know that, and I tell law enforcement officers who are like, I don't want and they, I don't want to do this. And I, and, you know, I, I said, you, you meet a lot of resistance and distrust, just like strip club uh, people do. And, yeah. you know, so I try to find these points of agreement. And usually what happens is at the end of a coast, people say, Oh my gosh, you know, this person was so nice, or I didn't know that about them. You humanize people. And sure. I still think that's important. And that's, that's what artificial intelligence and social media can't do. Right. Nope. Absolutely so. agreed. Now, another important thing you guys, and especially with, uh, that you do to help out clubs is de-escalation training. And of course that's a buzzword in the news with all the uh, extreme police violence towards uh, uh, civilians, um, similar training, different than what the police learn, but it's taught by uh, probably police and federal people. Right. I, I would assume. 
Actually, it's taught uh, again by Michael Ocello. So oh, okay. um, he is force. It's called force science certified, mm-hmm. which has a law enforcement component to it. And law enforcement officers have used it portions of it in their de-escalation um, trainings. But Michael, what I like about Michael's program is he adapted it to the industry and it has been overwhelmingly positive. And he has gone all over the country doing these trainings and it, and it really encompasses coping and communication skills from a psychological perspective. And he takes a lot of things too from the intelligence community uh, that they use when they're trying to quote de-escalate a situation. And there's a difference too between the intelligence agencies and the law enforcement agencies. So right. And you have, you know, more bureaucracy and and more uh, politicizing. I'm not saying you don't have that in intelligence agencies, but they can they 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 get to bend the rules a little bit more. Right. Right. I think right. I like I, I like the intelligence agencies <laughs> a little better, but but I, he's in, he's taken all of this wonderful material and adapted it for our industry, and I think that's incredible. That's and amazing. people walk away and they say that that was awesome. You know, I've learned something, and and it, it even helps. It's inner with interpersonal relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, with the extreme violence since COVID, um, just anecdotally, I know there's been a lot of more extreme violence from shootings in nightclubs and not just strip clubs, all nightclubs. I know a lot of people in the bar industry, not just strip clubs. Uh, And even the assaults seem to be more violent than it was pre-COVID. And so this training is invaluable to you, uh, even as a patron, just to be aware of what's going on or maybe to you know, that awareness is so, so key to your own safety and the ability to talk somebody, talk to somebody and humanize them. Like you said, is a big part of, I know what I did as a martial artist. And when I was a bouncer, I always talk, I would, cause I would be willing to talk to a person for 30, 40 minutes to get them to walk out calmly. I was patient and I, you couldn't insult me. I don't care what you called me. You're not going to tick me off. And that's great because <laughs> it's usually not about you. You right. know, it's usually not personal exactly. and most people just want to be heard and they yes. want, they want to be respected and, and they're upset for a reason. So if you let them pace, if you let them, you know, eventually their, their energy is going to wind down, but if you meet their energy for negative energy for ne- to negative energy, you just escalate rather than deescalate. So I, I, I think that that's, um, I, I think that what he's doing is is very important on so many levels, and it's really been a, a wonderful ACE program too. Agreed. So again, all these things, the music licensing, the coast connections, the de-escalation training can be found at acenational.org. I'll put that website in the comments of the show. All right. Angelina, are you ready to have some fun? <laughs> yes. All right. We've been doing a lot of heavy stuff, but now it's time <laughs> to have some fun. So it's time for 10 questions. All right. Angelina Spencer, you're on the hot seat for 10 questions as made famous by Bernard Pivot and James Lipton on Inside the Actor Studio. Are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Number one, what is your favorite word? Fuck. <laughs> That's coming later. <laughs> the curse word's coming later. Do you have another one you want to offer? Uh, oh, what is my favorite word? word. Uh, compassion. Compassion. Love it. What is your least favorite word? Pretension. Ooh, okay. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Altruism. Oh, what turns you off? 
condescension. Okay. Uh, here we go. You already answered, but what, Angelina Spencer, is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Fuck. That's everyone <laughs> so far. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? Music. Ah. What sound or noise do you hate? Power drills. <laughs> uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh. You've done so much already, so. <laughs> I know. that That's a tough, yeah, I'm in the hot seat too. Um, podcaster. Aha. Well, if you ever want to do a show, let me know. I'd be, love to do a show. It'd be fun. <laughs> We're doing one now, but you know, one of your creation. Okay. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Oh, elected official. I'd not, I'd never <laughs> be a politician. <laughs> no, no way. No, thank you. All right. Here's the big one. The final question. If heaven exists, Angelina Spencer, when you step through the pearly gates, what music artist would you like to jam with? Prince. Prince. Great answer. I love Prince. I'd be nervous, though, because he's notoriously critical of his uh, musical partners. <laughs> I just hope once you get to heaven, you get perfect pitch and perfect rhythm and all that. So he won't be annoyed. <laughs> all right. Angelina Spencer, you are off the hot seat. Great job. Thank you. Thank I you. Want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Uh, we'll get this knowledge out to people. Uh, anything you'd like to leave everyone with? Last thoughts. I just, everyone have a great day. Have a wonderful life and don't limit or label yourself. That's awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs with Danny Myers and Alon Fong. Presented by Panda and Strip Joints Music. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.